Well, I was born in Johannesburg quite a while ago. <laughs> and um, yes, uh, my mother is Italian. My father is uh, Serbian. So I've come from a European background. And after I finished at the University of Witwatersrand, I got my degree there. I decided to go and do a master's in Italy. And that's how my journey to in Europe began. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewafo. And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. That's interesting. Uh, because I'm in Italy, I'm interested. So which part of Italy did you go to study? I went to Milan. Ah, okay, to so Milan. All right, that is the fashion capital. <laughs> it's a very good business school. Actually, it's, mm -hmm. um, I think, fifth in, the, in Europe now, mm -hmm. the University of Bocconi. So that's quite well known for business and fashion. Absolutely. So... Absolutely. Bukunin is really very famous for that. We often hear it all the time in the news. Uh, of course, yeah, they do produce good results. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and now, actually, the, the nice thing is I started there with the masters, and I'm also coaching now the executives who are doing the masters in the Bukoni. So it's incredible how life brings you back, you know, to where you kind of started and then giving that contribution back to those who are there now in that position. That's lovely. It turns around. It, it goes around and it turns around. <laughs> and also my connection with you, which is South Africa, uh, that's just amazing, you know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that, Natasha. Now, tell me something. I want to learn a bit about you growing up in South Africa. What do you remember? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Um, okay, difficult time as well of course, because it was during apartheid. So I, I suffered quite a bit in the sense that I knew that a part of us were not free. So that was very difficult um, because it was 20 years. And then on the other side, I had luckily that fortunate way of living with a beautiful house, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I always felt uh, for my, my um, compatriots. And I think my best moment was when I took my maid, Nora, to see Mandela, uh, and no, actually to vote, when she voted for her freedom. And for me, that was the best day that I'll never forget in my whole life. And um, I'm just so happy that South Africa has is now on this new path, this new journey. And um, yeah, I had a great life. I mean, it was my, I am South African. When people ask me, I don't say I'm Italian and I don't say I'm Serb. I say I am South African, so I'm very proud, and uh, that's it. That's great. All right, I'm sort of curious now. I spent some time there. Uh, you were in, in South Africa in the apartheid time, no? that is when you were born. Yes. Uh, but, you, of course, you were uh, one of the privileged few. Nobody is going to attack you. You were not going to be killed uh, just for existing like uh, other uh, Africans uh, that were living there in the, in the country. So, uh, uh, how did you feel that that is your country. Tell me a bit about that, and of course, we're going to move on to, to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely one of the privileged few. And I think that's what also pushed me to do what I'm doing now giving back, serving, trying to add something to people who are less privileged, you know? So, um, 
yeah, I, I really would like to contribute in that sense uh, in, in many ways. And uh, I, I, it took me a long time hey, to, to get over the 20 years, 20 years I lived that apartheid. It took me a long time to actually when COVID came here in Europe, I really understood how the South Africans felt during apartheid, that complete not having freedom. And I think that is one of the values that are the highest on the list is to be free. And uh, they weren't. And so I, I really suffered. I think that's also what helped, made me, let me go out and see what's on the other side and then maybe also come back and give something back to my own country. Uh, you know, this is a global village now, uh, yeah. at least beginning a few years ago. Uh, the idea that we were confined to one territory, to one language, to one uh, reality uh, doesn't make any sense anymore. We are now um, part of the global community. We can connect. You are in Switzerland. I'm in Italy. Nothing stops us from connecting, from talking, from doing business together, in fact. So thanks to the level out of the age, which is the Internet, we can yes. do a lot of things together. So before we move into what you do just now, when you look back to South Africa, which is uh, where you are coming from because your parents uh, 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 have given back to you there because of the reality that they lived in, how do you look at it today? Um, I don't know, have something changed from how it was then? When you think of your country, South Africa, what do you think? Wow, I think it has done a big step. Um, of course, a much bigger um, middle class has developed, which is fantastic. And so um, I've seen a great deal of improvement in all senses, uh, in the arts, in technology, in uh, many, many things. So I find South Africa is quite in global, actually, as well. Uh, very, very much more open. Uh, except perhaps on the financial side, maybe that's still a bit closed. <laughs> follow the money. We need to follow the money. <laughs> yeah. You know, so oh, I, I have my account there, but to bring money here is not easy. So that, that's a difficult issue. But apart from that, um, things are, you know, my father is still going back every year. He loves it. Uh, my brother is working there and so it's a great, uh, it's a great country. I think South Africa is just marvelous, has so much potential, and I see it, and that's what made me connect. Thank you for that. Uh, I believe that is uh, the whole of Africa is actually uh, full of potential if we are looking at business, um, uh, because what is business? Business is about value. Uh, you give me something, I give you something in exchange. And if this is a population where you have a lot of people, these people are going to eat, they are going to dress, they are going to put some cream on, they are going to dress their hair, uh, they are going to use their cell phone, they are going to recharge it, they are going to put a little money on their bank, they are going to withdraw it. This is business. So if anybody uh, is interested in making money uh, with a lot of population that is in the continent, there is no way you cannot be interested in that. That is a huge opportunity huge. in every area of it that you want to look into from uh, the IT to infrastructure development. Because where there is a problem, that is where you have opportunity. Anyway, that is just by the way. <laughs> Important point because that's what businesses have to do is find mm -hmm. 
what does the person need and how can I give it to them? And that's how you make, you know, and so in South Africa and Africa, of course, many in Nigeria, all, all of these countries have a lot of growth and opportunity. So, yeah, let's see. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Natasha, how did you get into business? How did you get into leadership? Of course, today we are going to be talking about leadership, of course, leadership in business. Uh, but I'm interested, what moved you into business? Well, obviously, um, I didn't just start to be an executive coach. We still, at the beginning, I did quite a few businesses, okay? I first went into finance, and I did five years of banking. So merchant banking, that's like, you know, selling stocks over the, over the counter, things like that, very stressful. And after those five years, I went into the Milan fashion business. And that's when, uh, for four years, was fantastic. So in finance, I earned money, lots. In fashion, I earned no money, but I traveled the world. And it was so exciting, and that was great. And then the time came where um, I wanted to have children and a family. I had my children and a hotel in the south of France. So we were quite international, moving around a lot. And uh, we started our business with a hotel. And I decided that I would run the beach, which has, uh, you know, like 100 beach chairs and 100 tables. And I thought, coming from finance, I'll learn French and I will run the kitchen and the chef. Well, that was my first big lesson that <laughs> you've got to know what you're doing. Uh, each profession is in itself. You've, you've got to really have the expertise. And so I did three years of that, but it was quite tough. And that's where I understood that, you know, your skill is also important. What you've studied for, what you look and, um, you know, dive into. It's important to have that ability to enter that new field with expertise. Otherwise, you're, you're betting that you're able to do it. And so after the three years, we decided to hire somebody to run the beach and the restaurant. Obviously, someone with the expertise studied at the Lausanne, uh, which is a fantastic hotel school. He came and at the end, it was a win-win instead of just being a, you know, a loss because he worked for us. So, okay, we earned a certain percentage and he did it well, much better than I could ever do. So... Slowly, slowly, I, I got a lot of experience understanding all these things and moving from one industry to another and what was required in finance and then in which I actually studied economics. So from economics, moving into fashion and what was different there and then going into the hotel business, etc. So it's a lot of learnings that you acquire with experience and age. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what really makes the difference, right? Yes, it does. It does help open your perspective. Traveling also a lot opened my perspectives because I also worked in Germany. So, uh -huh. you know, I moved around a lot, um, finding out what is it, you know. Uh, I am very much in this international. I wish we could all be connected when the European Union was um, developed and opened up. I was so excited because I thought I could bring my children, you know, for each year to another country and study. Uh, that was almost impossible except for international schools, which are in English. I wanted them to learn the language of the countries, impossible. So I'm very <laughs> open and I, I, that's what I, I wanna bring is this, 
idea that we are one and together. Um, so there we go. That's a bit my experience and also always coming back to my purpose. What is my purpose in life? And this is the big question sometimes. <laughs> How much I love that. How much I love that. And the, the purpose, we are going to always come back to it. I remember in 2020, 2020, I did an entire year just talking about life purpose and self-improvement. Then uh, at a point, I said, okay, now I'm going to write a book about it. I actually wrote the book, but I never published it until, uh, I think, last month. No, this month, actually. That was oh, when I published okay. the book. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something very important for us. We, because if we don't find it, we might run east or west, north and south. If you don't have that compass, that GPS, that is sort of uh, telling you a specific direction where you are going, it's going to be difficult. Uh, well, you might find something, but the point is not really how much money you make or who you know, but how satisfied are you inside? 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think life is essentially about that. If we could find the satisfaction that we are looking for, then... Every other thing that we do, we suddenly have a meaning for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that meaning is higher than ourselves. It's bigger than ourselves. Whereas often, I think when I started out, I only thought about myself. I had to work and make tons of, really think of that, that higher than me self, you know, that how can I give back? But with time it came because, as you said, if you don't have a purpose, you start to not know, you lose track. You lose that, that north. Now, the first question uh, uh, for you in regard to leadership. Uh, how do you describe the role of leadership in business success? Oh, leadership. Okay, so if I had to look at the definition of leadership in the Webster's Dictionary, it would say one who leads. And it's written so simply that you think one who leads, what does that mean, you know? But leadership is actually the ability, it's a skill that you can learn to influence, how to influence. So leadership is basically the ability to influence other people. It's a skill that you can learn. And I really believe that leadership is not only the, the boss of a company or the top of a company or the executive, but it's also how we lead ourselves to become the best uh, drivers of our own lives. So you can be a leader and successful in a business or also successful in your own life. And I think leadership is there in, in the greater sense of the word, as we talked about with purpose, to serve, to be there and, and give back, to contribute, and to, to meet people's needs. And you know whatever they would like, we are going to serve and provide them with it. You, you try to... Attach leadership to, or you are trying to connect leadership to followership. Either uh, you are use, you are building influence with, the, you are influencing the people who are following you. Uh, is this something that we need to earn, or is this something that uh, we can do by force? Okay, I know that there might be different type of leadership. But I don't know if you want to say something about that in relation to business success. Yeah, very interesting. This is um, um, very. Adam, you know, it's a point that we have to take into account because there is a great book called The Mindset by Carol Dweck. Maybe you've heard about it. There, 
they actually have looked at many leaders and how those that rule as brutal bosses, as you say, by forcing others, usually end up with the company going uh, failing. They do not, over time, they are unable to keep the success of the company. And those companies that did the best are the ones that have an open mindset where they are willing to improve, but not only to communicate, to open those channels between the top leaders and up to really frontline workers. So, for example, I can even give you an example. Um, Lee Ayakoka, and this is a bit maybe before your time, <laughs> took over Chrysler. And actually, the first few years, he, he brought it up to a great profit, fixed it up because it was in a difficult situation. But then, because he became almost jealous of his own power, he wanted power. So much so that he, whatever he said ruled, he didn't take into account anybody's uh, ideas. It was only his personal status that was important. And Chrysler thereafter went down the drain. Let's put it that way. And so another example of a, uh, an opposite example is, again, a bit maybe before you all, no, no, no. But in, in, nine, in the late 1980s, IBM was um, in a very difficult situation. It, it was really almost like an Enron, but there was one difference. The board knew that it was in trouble. And so they called uh, in 1993, Lou Gerstner. They said, please come. And actually they had to beg him. He didn't want to come and help the company. Um, and they actually said, we're going to go to the US government and force them to make you <laughs> our CEO. He said, okay, I'm coming. And he opened all channels of communication from the top to the bottom. He sent a memo to every single, and there were thousands of workers saying, I'm going to visit you all and we're going to sit down together to see how we can strengthen this company. Okay. So he really actually, he attacked elitism. He got rid of any politicians that indulged in internal intrigue, you know, and he rewarded people who helped their colleagues. And of course, he then focused a lot on customer needs because customers were really upset with everything that was going on with IBM. And he has the growth mindset. The first three months, the stock uh, price of IBM stayed the same and they were all saying, oh, you, did, you didn't do a good job, Lou Gerstner. Instead, he carried on despite the criticism. And in 2002, IBM stock price increased by 800%. So you, you understand this, this brutal boss. A brutal boss is just one who wants to enhance their own feelings of power and competence and value at the expense of their subordinates. And it results, unfortunately, it will result in a decline. So we want to move towards this open mindset, this communication with everybody, you know, understanding your team and, you know, what are their desires and their stresses? Because after all, that's what our life is made about, who we are, you know. Thank you so much, Natasha. That, that's really very important. Um, now, we are looking at uh, some of these individuals now who have um, certain ability to be able to uh, uh, influence others and make them take certain action. And of course, as, as uh, social animal as we are, we do need leadership. We can't pretend about that. 
Because if we don't have leadership, we will always and all the time have chaos. Because yeah. if everybody is moving towards different direction, uh, we're not going to uh, we're not going to amount to something very uh, substantial. By that I mean we do have certain amount of energy. That is what we have. It is only when we coordinate that energy for a specific purpose that we can do a lot. Uh, yeah. So f- uh, for us to be able to coordinate that energy or that ability, we need somebody to define what we cannot see. Because if you are a leader, you can only see what I can see. Uh, then you don't have much to really tell me because I know everything that you know. <laughs> That's all. But as a leader now, uh, like J.F. Uh, Kennedy, we tell the American people in the system, mm-hmm. by the end of this decade, we are going to land a man in the moon and bring him back. No, but no, no America have ever gone to the moon. In fact, many Americans do not understand what he's talking about, but he managed to say that idea to them because he could see it even though the rest of people couldn't see it. So that is why I think leadership is very important. Whether you are looking at it um, from the point of view of politics or economy or a social group, it is absolutely important. But the ability, that is where actually I'm interested. The ability. Um, are we born with leadership ability or is it something that we need to develop? Help me understand that. Great question. So... <laughs> Um, Warren Bennis, I've come here with a bit of uh, technical things that everybody can then go up and, and, and look up these authors, you know. He studied these leaders, these great corporate leaders, and he came to the conclusion that leaders are made and not born. Okay, so you can develop the skill of leadership. Uh, however, okay, there are some leaders like entrepreneurs that perhaps in their nature are able to take more risk than perhaps somebody else. So maybe that's something different. An entrepreneur could perhaps do more or do uh, take more risk. It's easier for them in that sense. Uh, but that does not mean that leaders are just born and you're out of it, out of the game. You can develop your leadership skills and the big point there is if you want to always if you want to and if you really believe in it because our beliefs are the biggest things that hold us back so of course we need to study we need to learn we have to add to our skill basket you know in that sense as you said a leader needs to provide the strategy for a company where are we going now apparently the the, the horizon for the view of the future has definitely shortened. It's almost people are looking at uh, three, six months, nine months for the company because things are moving so quickly. You really got to be on the ball now with uh, AI, technology. Whereas before, they sometimes had much longer um, outward visions, you know. So um, it's really important that the leader knows where he is going, but that he also is able to develop his team, you know, bring them up, uh, invest in them, so that they can also assist him in getting there. Actually, you know that leaders want to hire other leaders because that's how you are able to leverage and scale and get new ideas and cultivate new business. So, 
I think a leader is made, and, and that makes me happy because that means we can all be leaders. There's no zero game, you know, it's not like, oh, he's a leader, I'll never be a leader. No, as I said, you can also be a leader of yourself, a leader of your family, you know, to look after your wife, your children. Uh, that's also being a leader. So for these high profile, you know, companies and groups, we always see leadership as, oh, for instance, let me give you an example. What do you think of a, did, is Mark Zuckerberg, was he born a leader or, or uh, you know, did he have experience? Uh, well, uh, from your explanation, uh, he probably would have been born with certain um, leadership quality, but to run Facebook, yeah. that is something ha that he would need to learn. He could have been born with that. Exactly. <laughs> That's your answer. And he did it. He developed that executive uh, mindset. That's, you know, and the growth mindset, because the company is incredible. Um, and so there we go. That, I hope that, I don't know, that answered your question. It does, it does, it does. Of course, we're, we're here. Uh, I still have more to ask you because uh, I think it is so key uh, in, in the business world, in the business ecosystem, if you want to succeed. Uh, because even like in the normal, regular life, uh, without leadership, without knowing exactly where you are going, it is difficult to, to achieve it because how can you achieve a goal if you don't have it in the first place? All right. Now, uh, what are the key uh, or the, the, the key skill set that a leadership, uh, a good leader must have uh, to take business to success? Uh, because I, I want to believe now that he is going to be able to see something different from every other person so that he can lead and he can follow him or her. And to do that, of course, you are going to need some kind of skill set to make the people follow you. I don't know if you want to share some of those key set or skill set with us that a good leader should possess. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, firstly, the most important is I think communication, how he communicates, as we discussed with everybody in the team. So a leader, you know, often people think it's skills only. Um, and that means tactical skills, studying a master degree, and but it's actually 80% of a leader's skill starts with his emotional intelligence. That is more than the actual technical skill because usually it's the manager, you know, the one, the manager is the one that is next to his group and his team and is looking at how the processes are going forward. Whereas a leader has to really know how to put down the culture, place the culture of the company. Where are we going? You know, what, and that comes from him, from the story of the CEO. Uh, and so this ability to transfer his passion um, and to obtain also the trust of his colleagues, this is uh, very, very important because if your team trusts in you, then they follow you. And so I really believe that this emotional intelligence, and I'm sure you know about uh, Daniel Goldman, okay, that's a really important skill to have as a, as a top leader, you know, um, encouraging your own ability to handle your state. How? Because if things are going wrong and you show fear, 
how are you going to lead those under you? Because they are looking towards you to, you know, handle problems like what happened with COVID. How can you be flexible as a leader to get us out of here? So um, then, of course, there's, you know, I don't know, uh, looking at, it's always important to to know that he has a, a mastermind, a group of people that are there on his same road to help with this innovation, encourage creative thinking, explore new ideas so that the business can carry on. So, but I, I really believe that a leader is that person that is able to manage their state day in and day out. I don't know if, if you got my message. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, you do touch um, something that I, I want you to uh, sort of speak on a bit. Uh, because as you will uh, see here, we spend a lot of, uh, we pay a lot of attention to storytelling. Of course, in the beginning of this episode, we did a bit of storytelling in that you told me who you are, where you are coming from. And that led me to ask you a few questions about South Africa and, and a few things, because those are very important for us. Also because of how we have positioned ourselves as a podcast and as a business and what we do. We are interested, really interested in your story. And now, in your explanation just now, you also made mention of a, a leader being able to know or tell the story of the company and lead the people accordingly. And then you also use another word, communication. And I think those two terms are very important for me and also to our audience. So I don't know if you want to say something or expand a bit on what is the importance of storytelling and communication in mm -hmm. good leadership in business. Fantastic. Wonder, actually, storytelling, that's where the inspiration comes. I tell you my story. I inspire people through my story. Like uh, many of our great leaders, Mandela, I mean, yeah, what, what better story than his, you know, like uh, Gandhi, all these great leaders. So storytelling is essential. And actually, how can I say I use, let me, let me put it to you this way. Probably the three great skills a, a leader can have are these three. The ability to coax people. Coax means don't worry. We have the outcome. We know where we, you know, we know that is our outcome. Let's say we have to make, uh, I don't know, 100,000 products by end of year, okay? And it looks daunting because we have to do so many things. But I, as your leader, I'm going to coax you and say, look, step by step, what is the first safest thing you can do? Let's look at it together. And you put them on track to start that journey, you know, with your team. And then the second one would be encouragement. But these are all the ways we communicate these three things, coax, encourage and inspire, you know. How can I encourage my team? to go forward, not to lose motivation, because perhaps the person has the skill, you know, they, they've studied, they've got the tactical skills, they know everything, but they are upset, they are angry, and so their motivation, their production levels are low, and so it's there where actually the leader can come in and say, how are you today, what is your story today, tell me, what are you feeling, you know, uh, what has upset you? What have I done or what have we done? How can I provide that safe space for you? Tell me about yourself, you know? And, and then the third, actually, I have a lovely story of inspiration. It's, um, it's a weird story. I can tell you, like, how to 
inspire your team, you know? So um, when I was a, a little girl, I was looking outside the window and there was this um, family, the father was trying to teach the son how to go down in a, uh, I don't know, it was a cart, you know, one of those carts. And this poor guy would continue, but after like a, a few meters would fall off his cart and the father would just leave him there. And I'm like, oh, and the guy, and the little boy would be screaming and crying. And this carried on day after day. So I went to my mom and I said, mom, you have to tell the dad to do something. That, that poor boy, you know? And um, she said, look, it's not a, none of our business just stay out of it. Anyway, I continue to see, and this happens day after day. Finally, one day, the little boy continues for like kilometer, kilometer and a half, and he makes it. And he has this smile on his face, and he looks at his dad with the most, oh, I did it, you know, so happy about it. And so the dad, in a way, just didn't give up on him. He said, you're going to do it, son. I know you're going to do it. Even if it's going to be tough, we're going to get through it. And this was a bit the story of where I learned, you know, whatever little step of failure I may have. And of course, we all, you know, think, oh, my God, I did that wrong. It's just a stepping stone to where I want to get to. And so for me, after seeing that, I realized that failure is learning. It's learning until I decide that no, uh, I, I really permanently decide that I don't want that thing, then, then it's maybe a failure. Like, okay, no, wait, but do you understand that inspiration of this boy inspired me to never give up, you know? That is powerful. That, that is so inspiring yeah, because it, it really tells of the human being, the kind of journey that we undergo. You know, now, this is, this is a, a moral lesson. I don't know if that is actually what you want to communicate there, but this is what I get that's really, that I really find very interesting in that uh, what if the father have said, ah, okay, no, my son has suffered enough. Uh, you are not going to try anymore. He might make the son feel happy, but he's going to actually interrupt the process of the yeah. son growing up. That's it. That's it. You know, it's like it's like now you go into the forest. Let's say we are in in, in a reserve in in Africa or in some other parts of the world. Uh, you are doing a study uh, about the how the animal interact with themselves and among the nature. And now you see um, a lion and you see an antelope. Ooh. You see the you see the antelope first, but at the back you see the lion coming. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to interrupt the, 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 the process of nature by driving the antelope away so that the lion doesn't catch yes. it? Because you are feeling that, oh, no, if the lion catches it now, it's going to kill it. But you are, that is not your job. Your job is just to observe. Of course, if you are dealing with a human being, if it were a little child, is going to be attacked by a lion, that is a different thing altogether because we have a different code. To interpret that exactly so thank you for sharing that story it's very important yes yeah, so so inspiration so if i were a leader we could tell the story and say come on we, we're going to go forward failure doesn't exist failure is only learning we're going to go forward and let's try again 
Let's do it a million, like Einstein. How many times did he do that lamp? Try to do it. Tons and thousands of, not Einstein, uh, Edison, sorry, Edison. Um, you know, over and over. So these are the stories that leaders can use to inspire their team. And sometimes these, it's the personal story that's, you know, so that my team knows a bit who I am. Of course, we don't want to become best buddies, you know. As you said, a leader has to lead and has the strategy and, and also be assertive. If there are people that are not up to standard, maybe they'll have to be fired. I mean, that, of course, has to be taken into account. All right. Now, uh, Natasha, when you look around today in the business world, the type of leadership that you describe, is those, are this type of leader what you see around you? Or do you see something different from what you have described? Mm -hmm. Ah, very interesting question. Because I'm dealing now with many executives who are working in family-owned Italian companies. And here, the leadership is old style. In other words, I am the boss and you do as I say. And they are really suffering because the executives don't really see a chance for, for growth, you know, not of their team, not even for themselves, because the bosses or the, the family is so much ingrained in the company and they do not go and try and have this open mindset. And I can really see this. They, they are, have that closed, fixed mindset, like the Lee Iacocca, okay? And then you get these other companies that are just so careful about their employees, so um, like they really want to make sure that they are developing the skills and not only, also their emotional being of their people. And um, like, for instance, trying to uh, see what path their employers together, you know, they can take for their promotion, where they are going. It's so important nowadays, especially with the millennials, you know, and the Gen Z generations, this idea again of why am I going to work for you? What are you doing for the, the world? Do you understand? It's what is the purpose of this company? Because they really want to work for a company that contributes. And so if the leadership is, has that closed mindset and doesn't really even think about the community and the, the more than the community, you know, giving back, contributing. These millennials, Gen Z, don't want to work for them. They are looking for companies with that open mindset, that willingness to, to really be together as a team, you know, with none of that politics behind the scenes kind of thing. So there we go. So I, I think we are well, we are moving more and more towards this open. A great person, as you may have all known, is Simon Sinek. He is also always talking about how to move forward, you know, um, together where employees are, are really taken care of by the leadership. It's important. Whereas some companies just don't do it. They they don't they don't even know they don't even know their team. <laughs> Who's on there? Yeah, they don't. Really, they don't. 
they do not mix. No, we we don't mix with the lower end. No, no, no. That that the manager will do all the executive. I I, I don't want to know them. It's, it's true. Really, I've heard some stories that are quite quite shocking. Quite shocking. Thank you for that, Natasha. Uh, yeah, I, I've I've listened to um, uh, to Simon Sinek, uh, the speech and the TED talk. I really learned a lot from that. Yes. You know? It, it, it takes us back again to storytelling. It, uh, Simon Sinek basically is telling us you know, to do as we have always done since the dawn of time. Exactly. Which is, uh, when you see a, a, a lion giving birth to the young one, you don't say, oh, I am the king of the forest, so my children are going to eat after I have eaten. No. If you do that, the children will die. So what you do is that you are going to do the work that is the hardest. You are going to really take care of them because they are your children. You need to take care of them. But what I've seen also, because I've been working for a long time here in Italy, that is what I see too. Of course, this is not only an Italian problem. Yes. It is something that is all around, no? Because, of course, we are talking of the product of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, this is the kind of education that we have had that, uh, one is the master, the other one is a slave, almost. Yeah. Or I am the boss. Every other one is going to respect me as a kind of a military rank where the leadership basically uh, just go down. No? Everybody on the down need to look up. But we need to look at it like everybody is collaborating for a single objective. This, all of them are responding to you because you are responding to them also. Not because you are the most powerful, not because you are the most intelligent we are all going to be tapping into our resources. You tap into me, I tap into you. Your job is to lead the objective where all of us are going. Not only you, not only the worker, everybody is involved. Anyway, Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely, and that results in a win-win for everyone. Mm. <laughs> not in this, I win and then we all lose at the end. If you, That's this idea of this brutal boss. And you know, um, Obey, people don't leave a company but they leave the boss usually Absolutely. that the statistics show. So, you know, in order to also have uh, employee retention and engagement, you really uh, need to, as you said, take care uh, to have a happy team to build better relationships. Unfortunately, so don't even know how to communicate. They believe in this idea of I am the boss. Exactly. I am the boss. And <laughs> <laughs> they look at the people that are working with it as if they are children. We thought those the, the way the even the industrial revolution is set up, or the way the industry is set up, is that it's a chain of production. If one of them is 40, the entire chain is blocked. Yes. In, in the line. So you are going to care for each and every one. Exactly. Make them understand that they are important. Every anyway. single one is important. <laughs> Even the person who is cleaning the toilets is important. You know, they're, they're always they <laughs> taken care of, and often they are the ones that are given. The teachers are the ones who are not paid. The, the cleaners are just not paid. Is why I, I've never understood that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know in, my, in my place, one time when I was still in Nigeria, no, a, a musician by the name Ojo, it, it was my village. So he made a, uh, an album in one of the the, the, the music, in one of the songs, he said, So basically he's saying that even the broom have a purpose in the house, has a function yes. in the house. Oh, fantastic. That's even the trash bee that you have 
has a function in the house. Now, for a very long time, I keep on reflecting on that. Why did that guy say that? Then it, then it occurred to me that, for example, the toilet that you have, if you don't maintain it very well, your city room will become uninhabitable for you. Yes. So everything is important. Everything, everything. <laughs> really. All right. Now, now, for small businesses, Natasha, uh, how should they... How should the owner, the owner of small businesses, build leadership quality, the leadership skill that is re that is required for their success? Uh, I, I think it's actually almost standard, the qualities of a leader, in the sense that emotional ability is very important. Your ability to as I said, handle your state so that you give confidence to your team and that you say, I, I'm there, I've got your back, I know where we are going, we are going to do these things. So it's definitely your, your ability to handle, um, you know, everyday conflicts occur between people. How are you going to resolve them? Um, how do you put in place uh, that, let's say, aspect in your company and of course you know it's really the ability to influence them the communication and to motivate that's the whole point we want to influence to motivate and to also um make them proud of working for that business again relating to the purpose you know we are doing this for that reason that's to give value to our customer and that will be something that we give back also to the ecosystem and to the world. In fact, I, I did systemic, uh, it's kind of systemic. You start small and using all these um, skills like communication, uh, what about, you know, how to deal with proper management, develop resilience and adaptability of all your team. Show them that step by step, we are going to get to that goal that we have and um, and have trust, build trust. I come back to that always. Ah, and another step that could be uh, is a great skill. The biggest problem that many leaders and especially small business leaders is they don't want to give up control. They are too, they, they think that if I let or delegate, that's another way of saying it. If I delegate too much, I, I don't know, you know, is my team going to be able to handle it? And so they try to do everything. And so it's important to build their team members and to let them try. And even if they make a mistake, okay, you know, we've got to learn. It, you know, that small business leader is the coach of his team. And, All right. Yeah. All right. Actually, no, no. Coach, yeah, yeah, please go, 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 go. I'm listening. Leaders are coaches. So leaders are able to assess complex economic environments. They need to anticipate obstacles. In your business, in running your business, because you have had a, a hotel business in France, uh, you have been in business in Milan, and currently uh, you are still in business, even though you are coaching executives on how to uh, become better leader in their businesses. But in your business in your experience is there any way you have had some challenges within the area of leadership what was those challenges and what did you do about it 
France is also a very particular ecosystem because they have a very high social um, security, you know, for the employees. So um, the biggest challenge we have is that the employee, if they feel that they are not taken care of enough, from one day to the next, they would just not come to work. And so then we'd say, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and this was the biggest challenge because they still are employed, but for months, six months, things like that, they can really um, be on the government role, let's put it that way, for a long time. And so we had to figure out a way to really take care of our employees. And we set in, actually the previous owner didn't, but we gave them like let's say shares of the business. We gave everybody a chance that if we all work together and uh, it's not just for us owners, but also for you, you know, the bonus, the bonus in the sense of having shares in the company. And this together with opening communication, uh, being there for them, providing them with safe space, you know, helped a lot. The moment that they knew that they were part of the bigger picture, which was, of course, a hotel provides a great service to the community. We employed many people. So the community of Antibes, that's where it is, was, was very happy. But that's what one needs to do, you know, also show them that they are part of what you are creating. This is the biggest challenge. And, and, and we manage now. Now the hotel is already, gosh, 20 years that we're running it. So we, we do, however, have our ups and downs. But... It's a very, it, there are five leaders. Let me actually tell you, there are five types of leadership. So if you want that transformational focus is where you're focused on doing, but also on the personnel. But you could have an executive uh, uh, type of leadership, execution focused. That's where the leadership is only interested in the result and doesn't really take care. But that could be good depending on which country you live, what is the culture of the company, perhaps it is required. So no leadership style is right or wrong. It all depends on where you are uh, working and the country, the culture, etc. So um, I only mentioned two, but I can, if, I don't know if you guys... Yeah, yeah, please, 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 we're interested in all. Yeah, the other... Um, the other is a transactional focus. That's another kind of leader where this is where if you do well, well, then I'll, I'll pay you a little more. If you don't, then I won't. You know, it's a bit of a transactional, uh, which also has its risks. And then you have the laissez-faire, the one who, who says, my team is good enough. I don't really need to be there. They only need to call me when I have, uh, or when they have drastic problems, okay? It's actually Elon Musk, I think, did this a lot with um, Tesla. The first three years he was sleeping on the floor and he didn't move out of that company until he said it according to how he wanted it. And thereafter, he did leave it, especially when he bought Twitter. He didn't really he wasn't really taking care of Tesla. I mean, the share price went down, but the company is doing very well. So he managed to bring his uh, employees to a level that they can work without him, you know, except for major issues. And then 
you have the interpersonal focus where here you're more interested in really your team. You're very people orientated. You're on the humanistic side. So um, harnessing a lot of interpersonal connections. And the risk here, however, is maybe you can manifest the lack of, of rigor in your projects or working environment. And so you don't meet your deadlines. So, so, you know, each leadership style has its pros and cons. And one has to really understand what is the style of leader that I want to be. What am I aiming for in my leadership? There we go, B. I don't know if I managed to answer. You did, you did. Uh, what is your own preferred uh, type of leadership? And why do you choose that? I'm trying to look at your philosophy of leadership. I love the transformational. <laughs> <laughs> Because this one is, we are leading to transform everything. We want to transform ourselves and improve through learning because that gives us that, that how can I say, auto-fulfillment, self-fulfillment that we were talking about because it's not just making money, you know. It's also feeling that you're empowering yourself and in inspiring your team. So on that side, I mean, of course, there's a risk because transformational means also that you're, good at execution. So there's a lot of work to be done and it requires a lot of energy, you know. So this is where we also have to take care of our, you know, work-life balance and of our health. I, I think it's very important. People are sometimes addicted to stress. You know, they just stress themselves or they even maybe their identity is, I have to work 15 hours a day, uh, all days of the week. Is that going to help? You know, you've got to really understand and manage and balance that work-life situation and stress. So, but transformational focus, I think, is the, the future to, 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 you know, to transform ourselves, transform our team, to bring the best we possibly can to the world in the systemic world we live in. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, at what point in your business uh, did you start your executive leadership coaching? Was it after you have already uh, essayed in your business uh, or was it something that actually led you into business? Uh, could you help me understand that? Okay. Um, yes. So what actually happened after the, the restaurant business, um, I then had another two children. And so... For a few years, I had a break and didn't work. And then um, now my children are, one is, the youngest is 13. And uh, already five years ago, six, I said, that's it. I want to start finding out how I can give back all this knowledge that I've got. But of course, I needed to study. No chance in doing it without studying. I, I just threw myself in many, many courses and I, you know that I became addicted to this learning, to this knowing and taking my story, there we go, my story of my past, you know, and bringing that into this, everything that was, I was learning now. Um, and also how we work, our mind, what, I, you know, I also did life coaching. The mind is very important. Our thoughts are, are very important thoughts and feelings that, you know, lead to our actions. So it's, it's really intriguing all, all 
all the studying that I did, that then putting it into practice is the best thing ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it and I see the results. I get the feedbacks. The people are just so much more enhanced, empowered, sometimes through little things, you know. It, it doesn't have to be a big, um, a big click or a big change. It's just perhaps a belief that has been limiting the person for years and they just can't get rid of it. And, and that's where the support can come in from someone who is a coach and who's studied perhaps some methods or processes to get there. Thank you for that. All right. Now, let's look at uh, some other persons uh, who may have uh, inspired you uh, in the world of business and leadership in business. Uh, I don't know, maybe these people have written a book or they have spoken or you have studied their way of leadership. Could you give me um, some example of those leaders within the ecosystem of business that you consider the best? Okay. Um, yeah, well, there are quite a few, but people, Steve Jobs, I mean, amazing what they've done. Uh, there are so many uh, leaders that have really taken their companies to provide uh, so much value to all of us. Uh, but how can I explain? A leader for me is also someone, I don't, I always have in the back of my mind, sorry, is Nelson Mandela. I don't know why. I always have him when in times of really dire uh, dire, dire situations, he still took into account the well-being of everyone, no matter the color, the race. Do you understand my point of view? For me, the really, so he is my number one, <laughs> my number one. And um, yeah, now I could talk about, yes, Elon Musk and I don't know, uh, Zuckerberg, all these people that have done these big companies. But also even uh, Anthony Robbins, for me, is someone who, who started, you know, he had a very difficult uh, childhood, uh, two fathers, very poor. But he also really questioned himself. Where am I going? How can I improve? You know, and in fact, he has a motto, which is constant and never ending improvement. And, he, and this motto is is for me really a point of what I'm trying to achieve is just improve myself, study, learn, read. So um, he has become for me a very important leader. Uh, so this is where I get my inspiration. And now let's talk a bit about your business. Uh, which are the type of people that work with you or should work with you? Who should be looking for you to gain from your leadership coaching? So basically, what I do, okay, I'll, I'll just give a definition. I partner with my clients in a, in a creative process of reflection as well. So we go in to understand what blocks are they having or for what reason they're not being promoted or how can they build their executive presence. Okay, so I am actually there to support, to facilitate, to be there for that person to find a framework to achieve his goal, you know, both personal personal as well, hey, and, um, of course, uh, professional. So I try to really 
you see, I, I am responsible to my clients to allow them to achieve the success they want, to open up uh, perhaps the barriers, okay, and create this environment of trust and collaboration also with my clients. So you see, again, that, that whole idea of having that safe space to speak, to talk, um, to foster communication with them. It's, it's this partnership that empowers the executive because of Bay. Uh, many people, when they start businesses, are often alone. Even executives are alone. You know, at home, maybe they cannot speak because they don't talk business at home. And then who is going to be there to help them with even their own fears? And so I am there to show them, help them, support them in this way. So I'm open to executives, to leaders, business leaders, to managers, but even, even whoever would like to just step forward, go through, find out where they really want to go, what is their mission and vision in life, you know, to be leaders of themselves and of their business. All right. Um, now, from your experience uh, of the people that you have worked with, uh, different managers and, and C-suite executives uh, that you have uh, um, trained, you have helped uh, to get better out of what they do, what would you say uh, are the key challenges and barriers uh, that sort of hold them back from getting where they want to go so that when they come to you, uh, you help them to unlock that path uh, so they can get what they want. Mm -hmm. Because essentially, uh, if I need something, if I want something, and right now that I want it, I don't already have it, it means there is an obstacle holding me back that is basically standing between what I want and where I am now. Exactly. I therefore need help to unlock that to get it. So that is what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, uh, yeah please go. So actually, I find that many of my clients are, are often stuck with how to do it. They, they kind of know where they want to go, but they are, oh my God, how do I do it? How, and they even ask me, Natasha, and they are doing very skilled jobs that I have no idea because as a coach, I'm there, you know, not to tell you what to do in your business, you know, like uh, put this bolt on top of that. So I cannot assist them on how to do everything, but I can assist them in, in thinking deeply. What do you really want? It's really important. It is so difficult. And often I hear you say, Obey, they know where they want to go. Actually, not always. Not always do they have their goal that is well-defined. Because a well-defined goal has to also be ecological. It has to be measurable. You know the famous SMART. It has to be achievable. It has to be timely. So sometimes they don't realize this. And I really believe it's the want. How much do I want what I want? Do I believe in it? Do I have faith that I'm going to get it? Because if you don't have faith, that's very hard to obtain because you give up. So the intention, the deliberate want, I want it no matter what, and I believe in it 100%. So often they come to me and I can see, yeah, but, you know, there's this even, it can even be 5% of not being sure. And I can guarantee that if you do not know what you want 100%, it's not easy to get. 
So uh, that's why beliefs are something we really look at a lot. Uh, limiting, what is limiting, what fear did they have? Because obey, you know that we have a lot of unconscious beliefs. We don't even know we have fears in us. We, we've forgotten about them. We've pushed them down. We don't see them, you know? And, and, uh, and we're wondering why I'm not able to get that promotion and what's, what's going on. And, I'm, you know, I come to work early. I'm there on time. I do what I have to do. Why aren't they promoting me? And sometimes it's perhaps I'm projecting my frustration because people don't realize that, you know, perception is projection, as they say. So you've got to learn how to, again, manage your state. And why are you frustrated? We have to go back and find out. What is it that's making you like that? Maybe in the past... Something happened that, and because of that, you're feeling frustrated. So we find out a lot of these blocks that can be stopping the, the person to get to that final outcome. And it's a process. It, it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> it's a process. It's a process, yes. And um, yeah, very interesting, this this. The culture also of a company is unconscious, do you realize? Because our unconscious behavior is 95% of our behavior. So because you, you cannot be conscious 100% of the day. It's not possible. That means we're in mindfulness, you know, thinking only all day. We, we can't do that. So we fall into our program, our default program. And so you've got to be careful when you're also developing the culture of your company to be sure that you maintain it, that you stick to it, that you don't fall into that bad habit or into that uh, way of leading that is not, uh, that is kind of negative, like the brutal bosses. You know what I mean? you got to remember, let's know, oh my God, we're falling into that fixed mindset. No, we've got to get out. We want to improve, go back to that growth. And this unconscious behavior and programming is so strong because of our upbringing in society, culture. It's, it's, it's really interesting. All right. Now, uh, you are trying to help people. You are helping people or executives uh, to become better leaders uh, so that they can get better results at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, uh, we are interested in the result and we are interested in, in good uh, leaders to make good businesses. All right. What for you makes a good business leader? Let me explain maybe with a few examples. A good business leader. Okay. Well, you have to know, of course, where you're going. Uh, you have to understand. Actually, this is a great, for me, what is a great business leader? They have to be able to assess complex economic environments, okay? Because they need to anticipate to be able to see things. They need to be one step ahead of their actual work that they're in. Like Apple. Apple, they didn't classify themselves as computers. They classified themselves as we are going to connect and give people all that they would love. That's how they were seen. And luckily, because from being a computer, they became also a phone. So had they said that their mission was just to be a computer, they would have been stuck there. So a leader really has that open mind of, of not being caught in a, in a hole, you know, is open to what can be developed. How can we increase innovation? And often many leaders, you know, they also hire 
Every year they hire new people, new executives to get new ideas. They don't stop. They want to find out more. Um, so a good leader is not jealous. There we go. Let me put it that way. A leader yeah, is not jealous of their colleague or of their partner. A good leader wants other people that can help them leverage and find new products. So that a good leader is someone who also looks at themselves very objectively. I mean, they want to pursue and encourage feedback. Actually, that's where, you know, they can actually, people can reveal the errors that these leaders have done, but they're not scared to listen to that. Uh, for sure, Lee, Lee Iacocca didn't want to hear any feedback. And that's why Chrysler went bankrupt. Because no chance. Instead, Lugersner, yes, tell me your feedback. Don't worry. Uh, they're not scared of judgment. That's another thing. You know, many leaders are scared that, uh, that people are going to judge me if I don't do it perfectly. And perfection, everybody will make a mistake. doesn't exist. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, now, how can people find you? I wanted to use this few moments to um, advertise your business. Tell people where to find you. Tell them what they can get from you. Please go ahead and do that. Okay. Thank you, Obey. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Natasha Sokota. Actually, if you, if anybody would like, if you DM me on LinkedIn, I will even send you a, a free ebook <laughs> that I've done. And um, oh, I did have my handle. Uh, I have my website, which is oh, but I could maybe we can write it afterwards in the because it's natashasakota.com slash en slash business. But but the easiest I think is just on LinkedIn with my name. Now, uh, what would be your final thought here, considering what we have discussed today about business and about leadership in business, most importantly? Uh, how would you conclude, it, uh, conclude the conversation? Yeah, I think it is now a very challenging time. I think I already mentioned it's this idea of technology changing, the ability to be flexible is to changing conditions, you know? Um, so leaders really need... Those who have failed to recognize or have or ignore changing markets or competitive conditions, then that's, you know, that's the road to disaster. So now times are really moving fast and we have to really understand how we can be sure to anticipate these, these things that are, you know, this, this um, high tech uh, movement that is happening and how we can provide value to our clients and also how to improve that environment for their workers. That it's only going to be of great, great empowerment to the company, to everybody as a whole. You know, so this is it to just understand what is our purpose and our vision where are we going and am i in line with my values you know the values of of really doing everybody has different values but am i in line do i have integrity am i going forward with integrity and this is a very important aspect i think so that obey oh gosh i could carry on talking for hours there's so much <laughs> complex uh, but that is it. 
Thank you so much, Natasha. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A14. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.